Welcome to the Paleo View. I'm Stacy Toth of PaleoParents.com. You might also know me as the broth lady or the inventor of the hashtag more vegetables than a vegetarian. I'm the co-author of several paleo cookbooks, including Eat Like a Dinosaur, Beyond Bacon, Real Life Paleo. I like to talk about health at any size and self-love and personal acceptance. Specifically, I have a love for lifting heavy things. If you're interested in finding more out about that, you can also find me on Strong Woman Radio. And I'm Dr. Sarah Ballantyne of thepaleomom.com. I'm the New York Times bestselling author of The Paleo Approach and The Paleo Approach Cookbook. I'm passionate about nutrient density and the intersection of diet and lifestyle with health, which really means I just love talking about science. News and Views, where Sarah and I catch up and you get to listen to our gossip. Happy longest day of the year. Oh, man. What is it, all downhill from here? Uh, well, if you like sunshine and do. don't like darkness, then yeah, for like six months, but then it's uphill again. All right. We still got we still got a good chunk yeah. of time. It's just the beginning of summer. We're, we're, we're good. We're good. Although my kids have been out of school for a month already. Yeah, not so much for me. My kids get the end of school this week. Um, but the pool's been open and they've had like swim team practice. And so it feels like summer. We've been picking vegetables and berries at farms, all the summery type things. So we only have one swim meet left for sw- for the swim team season. Like we've already done, we've already had four meet. That's insane to me. Like ours is <laughs> just starting. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, the kids started like the last two weeks of school, like in, I think they started like practice like May 16th or something like that. Um, So, yeah, they finished at the end of, I mean, technically they finished at the end of June, but their last meet is Monday. So, like, I think they're going to have practice for the rest of the week, but I'm not expecting it to, you know, be very well attended although i think we'll go so the most amazing amazing thing has been my 6 year old went from terrified of the water and would sit on the side and cry for the entire practice and um wouldn't basically wouldn't put her face in the water the first week which took a lot of there's a lot of like mommy compassion let's work through this why are we so terrified of water thing to um like this morning she swam five laps of the pool what that's crazy i know it's just been the most amazing thing to watch her like it it you know i've i've talking her through it realized that she didn't actually know how to hold her breath so we started like first by like well let's plug your nose and hold your breath and we'll count how many seconds you can do that for and then I totally bribed her with gummy bears because I'm an amazing mom uh I will give you a package of it's like the yum earth organic gummy bears they're not really paleo but they're you know they're food dye free and high fructose corn syrup free and all those good things um I was like I'll give you this bag of gummy bears if you put your face in the water and like, sh- like, look, you can hold your breath with your face in the water. And like, now you can do it in the air doing the- And she did. It was like this huge, like light bulb moment. And then she's been working one-on-one with this 
um, 13 year old coach who turns out to be like the most amazing kid on the like face of the planet. I am in love with this kid. I want to adopt this kid. I don't think uh, her parents will approve because I think they're rather fond of her as well. Um, but she's basically like single handedly taught my daughter how to swim this summer. And it's just been like the most amazing thing because every couple of days there's like some new milestone. And um, so she's going to swim her first meet is going to be the last meet of the season, but she'll swim on, on Monday. And like, I'm super excited. That's definitely exciting. We didn't put Wesley on a swim team this year because he is um, having the same experience that your daughter was, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but the older boys are doing really great with swimming and they were kind of like doing this awkward doggy paddle thing for the last couple of years. And I was like, this is enough, enough, like you're going to learn to swim. And so they can now do multiple strokes full length of the pool, which is really cool to watch. So So my oldest daughter, like breaststroke has clicked for her this summer and she's almost got butterfly and she has gotten really fast. So she went from being this like little trooper because she's small for her age. Like my kids are three years difference. They're nine and six. They're only three inches difference. Like they're, they're, they share a wardrobe. Like they're pretty much the same size. And, um, and like, um, the meat that just last week, just a couple days ago, um, she actually swam six races cause she ended up, I mean, you're only supposed to swim five, but one wasn't being counted for points for the score. So they just threw like, let's get somebody on so these other people can swim. And it was so intense. And she just like, she was still getting PRs and beating her times from even just a week before. And it was, it's, I, I mean, I love swim team. I love swim practice. The meets are long and they're late and they're, you know, they're on Mondays this year, which means we're starting the week all sleep deprived. But this year especially has been as a parent watching my kids swim skills just, you know, increase exponentially has been, it's been so rewarding. I've really enjoyed it. Plus I've got a pretty amazing farmer's tan from spending so much time at the pool. Why do you have a farmer's tan? Why aren't you hanging out in your bathing suit? Uh, Because I go straight from CrossFit to the pool. And CrossFitting in a bathing suit is not a thing. (laughs) (laughs) Unless there's something I don't know, it's not a thing. Um, Yeah, not. Uh, So, uh, no, so I've got like, and you can even see like the different different lines from the different sports tops. That's fine. It's totally cool. I have no problems with having tan lines. I am fine with that. Um, yeah, but no, it's, it's, I've been really enjoying it. And so you guys are just starting your season now. That's, yep. I, and then what will happen is my kids, will, my kids are going back to school August 1st, which is not that long from now. Yeah. You know, I was trying to, I've basically taken a a break from writing uh, my next book over the summer because I just can't find that much time to work with the kids home. And I like want to hang out with them and spend time with them. And swim team takes, you know, like all morning, every single day, by the time we do CrossFit and swim team, like that's half the day. And, um, I was just like, you know what? It's fine. Like I'm, I'm still on track for a summer 2017 release and I'm just going to hang out with my kids over the summer. Um, but I was, um, talking to, I've got a research assistant for this book and I was talking to her about 
you know, some of the topics that I want are getting on. I was like, there's no rush because I'm not going to be able to write again till August 1st. And she was like, that's in just over a month. I'm like, oh, wow. Summer breaks already almost half over. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, I, it's, we've been, we've been playing a lot and having a good time. So it's, it's been good for us and you're just starting. It's cool. Your kids finished school this week. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So do you guys have the same thing where you're like the last few days of school, you're like, why am I sending you there exactly? Yeah. My kids told me today that half their friends aren't going to go to school the last day because all they're doing is watching a movie and i'm like yes so go watch a movie with your friends (laughs) i don't know what else are you gonna do right so who knows but um yeah they will be uh they will be home with matt and he will be miserable after about a week or two (laughs) (laughs) watching the calendar to be in the position that you're in now going is it almost over there's, there's a thing about where it's half over where you start to really appreciate it, I think. I made the really conscientious decision this year that I was going to, you know, really work minimal hours to keep, you know, social media and the website running. Like, I'm still writing new content for the website. I'm still developing recipes. But when I don't have a book on my plate, you know, that's a lot less hours compared to the rest of the year. And I made that choice that I was going to, you know, not not let that be a stressor in my life over the summer. And um, most days, anyways, it's very liberating. Every once in a while it gets to me. I'm like, oh, there's this thing that I should be working on and I'll start to twitch. But uh, most of the time I'm just like, oh, it was so nice that I only worked, you know, two or three hours today and now I can go, go to bed early or, you know, just hang out, hang outside. I'm, I'm really... It's been good for me. I think I've really needed um, sort of a prolonged period of time where I've been um, not off, right? Like not a vacation because those, right, the work builds up so much over that time that it ends up being more stressful. But just like a, you know, pull back to a, a lower time commitment and a lower energy commitment and just for a while. And I've, I've found it very rejuvenating. So I'm hoping that over the next month it's even more so and then when the kids go back to school I'm like gung-ho and ready to write 2,000 words an hour on the next book that's my <laughs> that's my dream right there <laughs> it happens some hours um you want to talk about our topic for the day let's do it So um, our topic for this week's episode actually came out of um, a conversation that Stacey and I had where we're sort of talking about how many new people are coming to paleo and how big the paleo movement has gotten and how, you know, we've used this term shades of paleo before, right? There's so many different, um, not just like individual implementations of paleo, but sort of like almost sects of paleo. So different groups of people who have different philosophies about different aspects of this dietary approach. And, you know, when we started, it was a little bit more cut and dry, eat this, don't eat this. And now when people come in, there's a lot of gray and there's a lot of mixed messaging. And, you know, part of that is because 
there's no central organization to the paleo diet like there is for, you know, Weston Price Foundation, for example. There's no one creator um, like there would be for like the Atkins diet. So there's not like one person who's responsible for, you know, the yes or no, this is what it is. And so because it's this um, very grassroots it's um, a group of thought leaders who each have different backgrounds and slightly different approaches. And it's more of this like communal discussion on, you know, the best choices in terms of diet and lifestyle for optimal health. And because the science isn't 100% conclusive on all of these topics, it ends up being subject to at least some interpretation. So we get these like, different, these different groups of, of people within paleo who have differing opinions. And we thought it'd be fun to actually sort of talk about, um, the, the different factions within paleo and where they overlap and what the differences are. And just by way of sort of clearing up some of the, uh, confusion for new people coming into paleo. So like, what is, what is paleo? Well, if you go to my website or Stacey's website, you m might read something different than if you went to Lauren Corden's website or Whole Nine's website. Um, and then there's also these very highly related diets like the Perfect Health Diet or the Weston A. Price Foundation Diet or the Primal Diet. So how do those pieces fit together? So we thought that would be like a cool, a cool topic for a show. Yeah. So I think you, you are trying to not name names at the beginning and I don't know that oh. there's anything wrong with it. Like what Sarah and I choose to do is different than what somebody else might do. And frankly, Sarah and I don't eat the same either. And I think one of the reasons that it's important for everyone to understand is not only is it because you have people coming from various backgrounds, but because Paleo leaders, I think, all can agree on one thing, which is that we're trying to eat the foods that make us feel the best. And in some cases, you know, there are conflicting research or literature that one might look at that shows one thing while another shows another. Ultimately, what we really want everyone to do is to think about what makes their body feel their best and listen to that and do it. And so, you know, for me, I'm fortunate that I can do, um, you know, high fat dairy, for example, grass fed heavy cream and limited quantities. And I don't see a negative result of that, but, um, I cannot do popcorn because I immediately get a very severe reaction to it. Sarah, on the other hand, has the polar opposite effect. Yes. <laughs> um, she can eat popcorn in limited quantities. And if she put heavy cream in her coffee, she would be miserable. So, um, That's exactly true. Yeah. So neither one of us is necessarily right or wrong. It's that we've listened to our bodies. And I think, you know, to your point, what happens is, you know, people like you um, write a book and you research it and you come up with material that states, you know, what the basis of your research findings are. And then there might be someone else who actually defines AIP slightly differently. And what is important for me, for everybody to think about from the perspective of, you know, what is a whole 30 versus what is a perfect health diet versus what is a whole life challenge or a 21 day detox. 
and how do they all differ and what's the difference between paleo and primal and we can you know tell you what our understanding of the differences of those things are but i think the most important difference is that they're all gateways to enter into a lifestyle that Sarah, you defined a long time ago the best way that I've ever heard defined um, here on the show, which is that paleo is a nutrient-dense anti-inflammatory diet. And for some people, that looks different than other people. But as a group, we can all say that agreed if we're all eating, you know, almond butter and almond flour treats 100% of the time, that's not going to be nutrient-dense and anti-inflammatory. But if you're substituting that, you know, for a birthday cake or a special treat or whatever, or if that's a transition food that you use to get your family away from, you know, highly processed, refined foods, it's definitely a better option. And that's why Sarah and I do what we do, because we're trying to make sure that everybody can live this lifestyle sustainably. Something like a challenge, for example, a 21-day detox or a Whole30 would encourage you or does encourage you to not eat those things for a limited amount of time so that you can kind of, and I'm using quotation marks, reset your body, whether that's your taste buds or your blood sugar or, you know, whatever it is, they want you to stay away from those kinds of foods so that you can really get back to a baseline. And that works for some people and it doesn't work for others. Yeah, I think that, um, I think that it's important to, understand that the similarities between all of these approaches are far greater than the differences. And where the differences come from, I think is, um, that's where individual experience, I think, really influences um, how somebody um, wants to frame, right, optimal choices for the public, right? So, you know, for me, you know, I've done, um, I, I have the science background and I'm a huge nerd. And um, for me, I frame everything that I recommend based on scientific studies. And I like to be very, very open where science is not uh, completely conclusive. And I've written extensively about the autoimmune protocol because I have several autoimmune diseases and um, discovered very quickly into my paleo journey that I needed to do more than standard paleo in order to see the level of healing that I wanted to see. Um, But let's, why don't we, why don't we take a minute and kind of just like, you know, let's do some just straightforward definition. Um, Here's what these things are. And maybe a little bit of, I mean, here's what these things aren't. Maybe, Maybe we'll come into play a little bit, but like standard paleo, what is that? Okay. So I always heard standard paleo. I I define it the Rob Wolf way. Rob Wolf learned it from Lauren Cordain. Those are kind of my background. But um, I always heard it defined as legume-free, grain-free, dairy-free, and refined sugar-free is how – so basically you eliminate those food groups. I like – your addition to paleo and Chris Kresser's addition to paleo, which is the addition of nutrient dense foods that you remove after you remove those um, problematic foods, you introduce nutrient dense foods. But how would you define it? Um, I mean, I think that that um, I, I mean, I've never liked the fact that 
a diet is defined by what you don't eat. Um, but I think that's where, um, you know, where paleo has its roots. Here's this list of things to not eat grains, legumes, dairy. I would add, I would sort of add refined and like any refined or processed ingredients. So not just refined sugars, but like refined vegetable oils. Yeah. I think uh, la- later oils became more of a th- yeah. thing, but I would agree like processed sugar and oils. But even like within that, that standard paleo definition, right? Lauren Cordain has this very strong bias towards lean meats. Um, he is still anti potato. He's anti some of the higher glycemic index fruits like mango and pineapple. Um, he's, um, very anti, uh, sea salt and, um, legumes with edible pods like green beans. And these are things that I would say that every other thought leader within this movement, um, has come to sort of say, well, you know, potatoes are, are nightshades. So for people with overactive immune systems, that can be a problem, but otherwise they're a actually fairly nutritious, uh, complex carbohydrate. Um, legumes with edible pods, the problematic substances in those are deactivated by heat. So as long as you're steaming your green beans, like any modern science rationale for why green beans might not be a great choice completely falls away as soon as you cook them. Um, When you look at uh, the health detriments of too low of salt intake, you know, clearly we need to be um, cooking with some salt. And as long as we're avoiding the high salt intake from restaurant foods and processed prepackaged foods, which paleo typically does, that puts our salt intake pretty automatically into a healthful range. So I think there's been some more detailed conversations. And and types of salt, types of Mm -hmm. fat, like that kind of nuance of conversation came about as paleo matured and we were able to have a conversation. And I know I heard Lauren Cordain say in an interview once, the reason that he recommended lean meats is because the majority of at least Americans are not eating pasture raised meat. And therefore um, he feels very strongly about um, balance in the body. And so for me, I remember reading about kind of acid levels in his original book, which was part of the paleo conversation that's kind of fallen away. But what has remained is this omega-6, omega-3 ratio that is important to health. And so from his perspective, you know, he's in this particular interview, he was talking about because so many Americans are eating conventionally raised meat, I tell them to eat lean meat because I don't like the you know, the toxicity levels and the high omega-6 um, fats associated with those conventionally raised meats. It's, it's I- almost, um, I mean, to me, I feel like it's um, in lieu of having a detailed conversation, I'm going to make a different recommendation. And I, you know, I have incredible high respect for Lauren Cardane, but I, I mean, you know, my, um, my whole goal with everything that I do is to engage in that more detailed conversation. And my, my whole thing is increasing scientific literacy around public health topics. And so, um, and so I feel like when you change a recommendation because you are making an assumption about people's ability to engage or, making, um, you're trying to simplify and you're just making, you know, oh, people won't do this. Therefore we do that. I mean, that was 
where the original rationale for the food pyramid came from. And I know that Lauren Crittain has much loftier goals in terms of public health than that. And I think his perspective on um, optimal human diet is, is really amazing. Um, but I feel like it's really important to engage in that conversation and say, instead of say lean meats, period, say, hey, if you're eating wild game and pasture-raised grass-fed meats, you know, go for every cut. If that's out of reach, then uh, lean meats is is a better choice. And I think that people can handle that amount of information. I mean, it just it just took me 15 seconds to say it. Well, I think also we did a show, and um, I'll ask Matt to put a link in the show notes for um, the show that we did on fats, where you actually broke down that. Um, in detail so people can go listen more on this particular topic that for example an organic chicken has higher omega-6 ratio than a conventionally raised hamburger for example so um, it's important to to understand context and someone most people I, I know for me when I was around a lot of lifters they were eating chicken maybe 80% of their meals. And I would oftentimes have conversations with them about switching to lean grass-fed beef or tuna as alternatives because the omega-3s are so good for you, especially when you're lifting, um, and they're still good choices for quote-unquote lean meats, right? So it's, it is a more nuanced conversation, but I think this kind of begets the, the point here, which is that in a traditional paleo diet, and I'm using quotation marks, most people, and I've had many people come up to me and say, I thought you can't eat fruit on paleo. I thought you couldn't eat, you hmm. know, who knows what. But the truth of the matter is paleo is defined at the very base, it's very core, by both Lauren Cordain and Rob Wolf as no grains, no legumes, no dairy, no processed, refined sugars and oils. As I think that's kind of the, the very base. And we've matured as a community and we have a better definition of that. But that's that's at the core. Then you get into the, the nuanced off branches of that where you, Sarah, we can talk about um, kind of the, um, oh my goodness, uh, Nora Gagatis, her name was escaping me. I'm sorry, Nora. Um, she takes a much higher fat approach to paleo. And then someone like Mark Sisson with Mark Staley Apple created the branch of paleo called Primal. Um, which, includes, which includes high quality dairy. High quality dairy. Yeah. And, and also I like to define, well, so let's just define this. I think of um, Primal as also a higher fat, um, uh, a a more lifestyle-based approach to paleo because it didn't have so much of a focus on um, defining carbs and fats the way that paleo did for me when I was reading about primal. And it was also this incorporation of what was called an 80-20 rule where Mark was the first one that I ever heard talk about 
you you cannot sustain this 100% of the time. Figure out what foods work for you outside of this perfect paradigm and enjoy them in limited quantities at the Actually, right appropriate time. Lauren Cordain had that in the Paleo Diet. Now, I never had the first edition. I always had the second edition, um, the, revi- the revised edition that mm-hmm. came out in what? 2010. Yeah, I had the but original, but I don't remember that in it. But it, it, the 80 20 rule was in there. And um, I mean, he even had this breakdown of like how many meals a week it is to do 80 20 versus 90 10, right? Like, and and like, and he called them cheat meals. And he basically said, you know, this is the power of the paleo diet is you can do it 80% of the time and experience 100% of the benefit. And of course, you know, now that the community is so vast and we have such a huge autoimmune disease community coming to paleo and the autoimmune protocol, we do know that that's not true for everybody. Um, that there are people who are so sensitive that that 20%, I mean, my 20% is very different than somebody without food sensitivity 20%, right? My 20% never includes dairy or grains or legumes or processed foods or refined sugars or oils, right? My, my 20% includes a little bit of rice or a little bit of you know, popcorn, as we already talked about. Um, my 20% includes some chocolate, which is a completely paleo food, but I don't do well on it if I eat it every day. So there's my like, that's my special treat. Um, so I think that, you know, I love that concept. Um, I think, I feel, I kind of feel like there was a bunch of people talking about it all at once and then they all realized they were talking about it all at once. You know what I mean? Like, Hey, wait a minute. I just said that thing too. Yeah. We should we should well, be part of the same community. At least for me because I know Mark has also published a lot of materials about the importance of play. The like to me I think of primal as being a lot it's not to say that paleo doesn't define things in a lifestyle perspective because I know for example you and I really focus on that and and there are other leaders in the community that focus on that. But when I learned about paleo for me it was it was about the anthropological perspective on why this came about and then why that works for the human body now. And it wasn't part of this larger conversation that we're having now about how to sustain it for a lifestyle. It was more about defining what and why. And I feel like, for me at least, a lot of the material that I read about integrating it long-term sustainably lifestyle came from, you know, either Mark's blog or, or mm-hmm. guest bloggers that, you know, um, ended up going on Rob's site and, and turn that into a larger conversation. But I think because, for example, Rob and Lauren were, um, had that anthropology background and were doing so much to say this about, for example, evolution and, and, why humans have a difficult time digesting grains and the breakdown of, you know, they're made for birds so that when birds poop in a field, the grain is, the seed is still intact. And that's why it's difficult for us to digest because it's made to be difficult to digest. There was this whole conversation about the what and the whys and the hows, where for me, the conversation about, okay, how do I actually like implement this and do it over a long period of time ended up being bloggers and people who were 
like you and I, I guess now, um, I guess that's why right. people read our blogs. But for me at the time, you know, I've mentioned like Alana's Pantry and Spunky Coconut and Marcus Daily Apple, where they were implementing this in their real life and they were showing like it's not 100%, 100% of the time because that's not sustainable. And so I think of paleo more associated with the the word paleo with like the short term kind of challenge type thing, which is very different from an AIP approach, right? But like most people who think paleo think challenge. They think Whole30, um, they think 21 Day Sugar Detox, or they think like Whole Life Challenge, or um, there's a whole bunch more that I've never even done that people do at CrossFit boxes. There's like, um, I think there's like a Luron challenge, and there's like all these different things that CrossFit boxes use to get people into paleo and because that's how most people enter paleo that's at least when I talk to people that's the mindset that they have of it well so let's talk a little bit I I think there's so many different challenges we could probably make that like a whole part two episode topic Um, but let's talk a little bit about um, some of the different um groups of of people and because that what i'm thinking about is sort of the um whole nine um whole nine life which developed the whole 30 so people typically know it as whole 30 now um you know their approach to paleo is a very rigid approach in a whole 30 yes but then i <laughs> i would say that when not in a whole 30 their approach to paleo is much less rigid than mine, for example. Um, and I, I know this because, for example, the Hartwigs, who are the inventors of Whole30 and the Whole9 Life, um, have public social media and are very open about the fact that, for example, they eat gluten when they're, you know, want to enjoy it and it's in front of them and um, that's the choice that they make and there's no food guilt associated with it and there might be like a food hangover but they don't have for example the autoimmune flares that you and uh-huh. I would have from- it would wreck me for months right and so you know i think a lot of people think that mindset is very rigid but when you actually look at outside of the challenge i think it falls within that kind of like 80 20 kind of discussion that we were talking about Um, but what I find is that most people who come into it via that avenue think that that's the intention of the creators of it and they don't follow closely that those people eat bread and crepes and, you know, aren't perfect and they might have nachos and all the things that, you know, normal human beings do because they're at a birthday party and that's the choice they make and, you know, whatever, I'm not going to justify or or judge anybody for their food choices. My point is just that, you know, working off an assumption that because there are strict rules for a certain thing that you were supposed to do, and I'm using quotation marks for a short amount of time, doesn't mean that that's the thought process forever. And I think the the difficulty and that rigidness that you feel, or at least that I've felt in comments that people make on my blog um, or social media is that like, that's inappropriate or it's not paleo or whatever because it doesn't fall within the rules of that one thing versus the the genuine approach of the overall lifestyle and i think that's that's where we get into 
like no overcomplication and shades of gray. I know. I've started. Stuff. I've I've started using hashtag not paleo, <laughs> or if I ever post anything that isn't strictly like yep. you know, I took my daughter to the gluten free bakery, and you know, we had some mommy daughter time. She was having a day. We had two hours together alone. I was like, hey, let's go do something special. And we went and had cupcakes, and they're made with, you know, rice flour. (laughs) That makes them not, hashtag not paleo. Um, And it's an unusual treat for us. But But Sarah, you're not paleo anymore. I I wrecked it. I got to (laughs) start counting all over again. Um, But aside from this, I think... I think it's really important for people to understand that this is this broad definition. So it's uh, this list of things to avoid. And then, oh, by the way, focusing on nutrient density is a really good thing to do, too. Um, But there's also within paleo, we're seeing some very passionate subgroups of uh, both extremes, right? The low carbers and then also the safe starch, high carbers, I guess. Um, And then we're also seeing the... um, you know, the, the quite low fat implementation versus the extremely high fat implementation. Um, and then we're seeing, you know, the right, like, so there's what some people call lacto paleo or primal, which is paleo plus grass fed dairy. Um, then there's like the perfect health diet, which includes it's paleo plus rice, basically, or hashtag team white rice. Plus um, dairy. It's plus dairy. Plus and rice. dairy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah, it's primal, primal plus it's hashtag, primal more. plus rice. Yes. <laughs> um, then there's like, I, I feel like even the line with Weston A. Price Foundation is fairly blurred. I mean, Weston A. Price Foundation uh, includes, they include grass fed, high quality, raw dairy, um, and also legumes and grains, but the legumes and grains are all traditionally prepared. So they're all fermented, um, soaked, sprouted, soaked, sprouted um, cooked for very long periods of time. Um, and you can actually uh, ferment wheat in a sourdough culture to the point where it tests as gluten-free on a gluten-free test. Um, as somebody with overt gluten sensitivity, I still don't know how comfortable I would be consuming it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'll just state for the record that I've mentioned before my mom is anaphylactic and she um, – reacts to distilled alcohol that is fermented the same way. So while it might show up gluten-free, um, she is my barometer for anything. And I'm like, nope, not touching it with a 10-foot <laughs> So, I mean, I think that's one of the things, it's, this is sort of an aside, but um, probably a good aside to have right here, is that the um, test for calling something gluten-free, I think it's like five parts per million, I think is what has to be below um, I might have that wrong. It might be like parts per billion, but it's like it's a number and it has to be below this number, but it's not zero. And um, there's, you know, it's fairly well documented that even that uh, cusp of what a product can do the testing and then put the slap the gluten free label on its packaging can be you know, a problematic amount of gluten for a celiac. So, um, so just a little like heads up, things can be labeled as gluten-free and aren't actually gluten-free. 
uh, warning, warning, right? Which, I mean, we've talked about cross-reactivity with foods before. We've talked about listening to your body, and we wouldn't just say do those things. But I didn't mean to cut you off of the list of things that you're going through. I wanted to add to the different versions of paleo that you were describing. I think I would also say that we've got um, the autoimmune paleo group, Mm -hmm. uh, obviously. And then there's this other group of people that I call people with food allergies that have come to paleo because if they have, you know, if they're allergic to corn and wheat and and eggs, soy, and and soy, then they come to paleo and like all of our recipes already have that. Yeah. Um, and oftentimes, however, they also have allergies to example, um, tree nuts, eggs, nuts, and coconut, which are in our foods. And, um, we oftentimes us bloggers get comments like, well, how do I make this without these other things? And we're like, well, you go to this other recipe. (laughs) Like That's not what this recipe is. And it's, that's kind of the same thing that I would say with all of the different versions that we've mentioned here is I, you and I love Russ. Russ is like one of the best paleo cooks in the community. Mm-hmm. Uh, hands down, he's one of our best friends and I can't speak highly enough of the guy. But if you go to Russ's blog and Russ has a recipe with ingredients that don't work for you because you're paleo or you're autoimmune and he's using, because he's perfect health diet, rice and milk, like it's, that's his version. It doesn't make him wrong. It doesn't make him a bad person. Russ has had one of the most fantastic health transformations. We're talking about someone who had open heart surgery and a stroke and is now in fantastic health and, you know, is living a vibrant life with two small children and a wonderful wife. Like, he wasn't supposed to be living the life he's living and his diet gave that back to him. And so I just think it's really important that we all understand the context of if you tell someone that what they're doing is wrong, but it works for them, really it's just like a reflection of you being unhappy with whatever choice you have if you feel the need to put that upon somebody else. Now, granted, like if someone is suffering in your personal life and you're trying to tell them like, hey, you know, I'm doing this thing that it might be great for you. Maybe you can give it a try. That's different than I think, you know, kind of just what Sarah mentioned earlier. And I was kind of taking the ball and running with it is that there's this like group of people on the internet who you know, need to define things and need to say what's right, what's wrong, what is or isn't. And we don't have a group, a panel, a a deciding body that says all these things. And the great thing, the reason is for this great reason, which is that it's all about what works for you and what makes you feel good. And there are some choices that are better than others. And, you know, you could eat kale and liver every single day and more power to you, but somebody else could make a different choice and doesn't it doesn't make them any less paleo. And when I eat a gluten-free crepe or you eat a gluten-free cupcake, um, I'm not any less paleo. I'm, I'm living my life to the fullest extent that I possibly can. Um, I think there's the take-home message right there is that, I mean, there, there are definitely factions within paleo and there are people who passionately believe that their version of paleo be it high fat, low fat, high carb, low carb, only fruit, only starchy carbs. You know, (laughs) we see, right? Like we see all of these different groups and they all passionately believe that their version of paleo is the best and everyone else is doing it wrong. 
Um, but I think that um, what is really important to recognize is that paleo doesn't have those prescriptions. It doesn't have a prescription of um, this much carbs, this much fat, this much protein. You know, we know that vegetables are important. We know there's nutrients we get from plant foods that we can't get from animal foods. We know there's nutrients in animal foods that we can't get from plant foods. But there's, you know, as many different ways to implement paleo as there are people to do it. And um, what it gives you is not a firm set of rules, but rather a framework from which to start experimenting and figuring out what is the optimal version of this nutrient-dense, anti-inflammatory, whole food-based diet for you. Boom. Drop the mic. Dropped it. Uh, let's... Um, I just want to... Can we just take a moment to just group hug everybody? Okay? Group hug. Don't be... Don't be breathing heavy and, and <laughs> getting all, like, worked up about this. Our goal was to say that, like, we're... Same team. Same team. <laughs> Can't we all just get along? <laughs> um, no. Uh, yeah, I think it's, you know, I, for me, I'll, I'll even take it the step, the step farther, is I think that um, within the diet worlds, right, there's, there's, you know, plant-based diet and vegetarian and vegan and paleo and Mediterranean and low-fat and Atkins and, right, we've got all of these different labels for different diets. And really when you start looking at the ones that have some good science to support health benefits, when you start looking at these different approaches, there is far more in common between these diets than there are differences, right? A, a plant-based diet and paleo have – uh, they're about 90% similar. I mean, that basically the the animal foods intake's a little bit higher on paleo, but there's still this huge focus on vegetables and whole foods and nutrient, you know, nutrient dense foods, right? Like it's there's so much similarity. There's so much. I mean, the paleo is basically a grain free, legume free version of the Mediterranean diet, right? Like there's still this focus on plant phytochemicals and omega-3s and lots of seafood and lots of fresh vegetables and, you know, olive oil is a great food, right? When we start to look at things in terms of their similarities, I think that we're going to end up being able to have much more positive conversations in terms of what are better diet choices for the average person to make on a day-to-day -day basis. Agreed. Do I get to drop the mic again? I think we've both dropped it, so unfortunately, it's already on the ground. <laughs> the sound quality is terrible now. <laughs> um, let's pick this up next week and talk about um, challenges. I think there's like a whole conversation to have there. I have a feeling that uh, there will be a soapbox that probably will happen if that's what we do. We haven't. I haven't had a soapbox in a while. I, so. I was going to say, like, this time. It, it's about. I think we're about due. <laughs> have a great week, everyone. And thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to The Paleo View. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to rate us on iTunes. You can also support us by shopping for our favorite paleo products on the sidebars of our individual websites or by donating through PayPal. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death 
in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook Games.